Well, we're uh, getting close to winding up a series called This Is It, where we started out talking about why is it that we say we're going to do something and we never end up doing it, or we start and we don't finish. And we said, well, what if we made this our year where we said, you know what, this is it. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I say I'm going to do, and God's going to do something new in me. And we've been looking at a specific passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. If you don't have a Bible with you today, the ushers are taking Bibles up and down the aisles right now. Just raise your hand. Uh, they'll give you one. It's yours to keep, or if you want to give it back, you can put it on the table as you leave after the service. But there's a scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter 43, where the prophet has just finished reminding the Israelite nation of all the great things that God had done for them and some miracles that God had done among them. And he says something that it's kind of like, why would he say that? He says, but forget all that. Forget all that stuff. In other words, forget the past. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So this scripture tells us that at any time, God can do something new in us and get us out of a relational wilderness, out of a financial wasteland, and do something new. And if we focus on the small steps that we can take today, God can lead us to a new place in many different areas in our life. Well, the month of January is now over, so you know what that means? It means that 75% of you have already failed at at your New Year's resolution. I just wanted to give you some encouragement to get started. 75% of the people fail within the first month of the year. And they give up, and they never meet whatever goal or resolution that they had. What if it could be different? You know, what, what, what's the, what do you think the number one uh, resolution is? I'm not even going to ask who makes resolutions, because either people say they don't, or they lie and say they don't, or they do. What, what do you think the number one is? Weight. weight loss, that's right. Year after year, I want to lose some weight. I want to trim down. Well, I've been going to lunch with a lot of you. And, <laughs> and... Some people uh, are, doing, are doing okay. They're like, you know, picking up the salad and the water, still getting full, just on better stuff. And, and some people are eating only the half of the burger and only a couple fries, and that's good. And then some people, I'm like, dude, did you even try? I mean, was there ever a day you really gave it a shot? You know, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be different. You know, the latest research proves, I mean, Years and years of research have come to the conclusion that 100% of people are going to die. 100% of our bodies are going to wear out. And now I'm kind of into my 40s, kind of, that's a nice way to say I am into my 40s. Things feel a bit different, don't they? Do, do they feel different? Y'all, anybody kind of feel a bit different? Some joints ache a little bit and, and some pains like, man, where did that come from? And and, and like they, they're printing things smaller these days. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it's just, it's smaller print. The font size just continues to get smaller. And, and not too long ago, this sweet little, young, little boy that he's very talkative. He was talking to me and, and he, he asked me a question. He said, hey, well, what's that on your, what's that on your forehead? 
And I was like, what, do I have ink or something? And No, that line. And I was like, go find your mother. What's the deal? No, I didn't say that. But all of our bodies wear out. So people have two ways of viewing it. Well, if it's going to wear out, why waste my time trying to take care of it? If it's going to wear out anyway, live it up. That's one view. Another view is, well, how can I take care of this thing to make it last a little bit longer? Well, you know, it's deeper than that. It's not just don't take care of it or take care of it. There's, there's something even deeper about our bodies that a lot of people don't get. It's not as simple as that because our bodies, what winds up in our bodies and with our bodies is the physical and the spiritual are connected. And you can read about when that connection started in the book of Genesis chapter 2, when it says the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God did that, and forever mankind was not just a physical being. Literally, it says that God breathed a soul into man. And merged the physical and the spiritual together. And you can read all through the Old Testament about how they, they really had that connection between the physical and the spiritual. And you can read about Old Testament kings who sought to build this temple because God's people were wandering around in the desert. And, and they had what was a temporary temple called a tabernacle where they believed that God would dwell. But then finally, they got to build the temple the way God asked for it to be built. And the way they viewed the temple, there was a lot of intricate details to the temple, and the way they viewed it was that was the house of God, the house of Yahweh, they would say. It was where all religious life centered for them, this big stone building called the temple. And inside the temple, there were a lot of things you had to remember when you went in. There were rooms you were not allowed to go in. There was this room called the Holy of Holies, and it was a perfect cube, and it was perfectly dark. And in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, where, among other things, the Ten Commandments that Moses received were kept. And there was this curtain that that kept it dark, and once a year, one person was allowed to go in and make a sacrifice, and that was the high priest. And only the high priest could go in. No one else was allowed in the Holy of Holies, because that was the holiest of holy place where God dwelled. And then just outside the, the, the holy of holies, there was the, uh, another holy place. And all the priests could go into the holy place. But only priests could go in there. Regular people like us were not allowed to go in there. And then outside the holy place was the, was the, the courtyard, and people were allowed to go there in the temple courts. But only people who believed were allowed to go there. And they had all these rules on how you're supposed to act. And it was, it was the, the holy place where they believed the Spirit of God lived and dwelled. Even today, just if you just go through the centuries and look and see how, even especially in the Middle East and how they view their buildings, all the different religions see these holy buildings where they believe there's, there's something there that's spiritual and where God dwells. And wars have been started because buildings were messed with. 
People have died because they did something to a building and people thought, that's God's house, now I'm going to kill you. I mean, if you went there today and you messed with a mosque or did something to a temple, somebody's going to die because they believe that's where God dwells. Even now, some people feel like there's, these, there's a building that could be a holy place. I did mission work not long after I accepted Christ with a bunch of college kids in northern Scotland. Spent most of a summer there working with the church. And we got to do a lot of touring, too, on the weekends. And we, we went to this oldest church in Scotland, which was old. I don't even remember, 1,500 years, something like that. Just crazy old. And it was still standing and still in operation. I think the same guy was still there. I mean, he looked... <laughs> The same, you know, pastor, they didn't call him a pastor or a priest. I mean, the same guy. And he just looks so old. There's a picture of him on the wall. And, and we're touring it, and it's really quiet. And you just hear feet scuffling around. And, and right before the stage, which they would say the altar, there's, there's this big gold rope. And on it, it said, do not cross. And so I get up to it. And, and there's all these candles and this ornate stuff and marble table and all that stuff. And, and I thought... I told the college kids that were with me, I was like, I want to stand up in that. It was a pulpit, you know, if you know what that is, like where the where a preacher stands, some preachers stand in this this thing called a pulpit. It's this big wooden podium-like. And, and so I thought, hey, guys, I want to get up there and you take my picture. Wouldn't that be really cool? And so I'm looking around. Nobody's looking. There's no official people. I said, look, I'm going to zip across here. I'm going to stay real low and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to, you know, like do this and you take a picture. And they're all standing there with their picture, and I'm looking, nobody. And as soon as my foot gets just, like, broke the plane, this woman, boom, appears out of nowhere with this thick, really mean, William Wallace-sounding Scottish accent. And I can't, even, I can't even mimic her. But she's like, sir, you cannot go over there. That is the altar. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you not see that sign? Well... Yeah, yeah, I did. I saw the sign, but I wanted to, can I, is there a way I could go take my picture up there? And her eyes were like, no, you can, only the priest can go stand up there. And I was like, not just one little picture to, no, no way. She wasn't going to let me do it. I thought, I mean, she was angry. I thought, okay, I'm in trouble. I'm going to court. Something bad's about to happen because she saw that as you're a commoner. You're this American commoner college kid that you're trying to step over into this holy place. No way. Because she viewed that physical and the spiritual as coming together to make that place right there a holy place that I was not allowed to go. You can even go into the New Testament and and read about how Jesus even saw the temple as the holy place. In fact, everywhere God would be, they would consider he was it was a holy place. Maybe in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you learned about Moses and some very significant things happened in Moses's life but one that if you ever went to Sunday school you heard this about the burning bush about how he was out in the desert and he was trying to hear from God and he goes around this corner and here's this bush on fire but it's not burning up and all of a sudden he begins to hear the voice of God give him direction and one of the things the voice of God said was Moses take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Now, is ground holy? Is dirt holy? Is the flame? the bo- Nothing there is holy by itself. But when God came there to dwell and to communicate with Moses, that became a holy place. And those are the same views that were carried on from rabbi to rabbi to rabbi 
all the way to Jesus. And in John chapter 2, Jesus goes into the temple. And there's something going on in the temple that upsets him. Jesus goes in and sees all of these tables set up. And people are selling the sacrifices that the people that are too poor to have animals to bring, they can only afford these little doves to sacrifice. They're selling them and overcharging them, and they're doing it in the temple, in the temple courts. And Jesus, it says, gets so angry that he makes a whip. I mean, Jesus, he's a carpenter, so you figure you can figure that out. I mean, he's just angry, and he's making a whip, and he takes it in, and And he says, get out of my father's house. How dare you turn this in to a business? And he flips over the tables and doves go everywhere. And and, and money's all clinging all over the floor. And they're running for cover because Jesus is in the house and he's upset. And the religious leaders, the priests, are going, "What, Jesus, what? by what authority do you do this? How do you have the authority to come in and, and take our source of revenue? And Jesus says to them, in John chapter 2, beginning at verse 19, he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And for the first time, Jesus is talking about the temple and he's not referring to this physical building that was built with men's hands. He's he's referring to something else. He's setting the stage to reveal the true temple of God. Later on, these same religious leaders were asking Jesus, where's the kingdom? You talk about this kingdom of God coming, where is it? Because they were expecting this physical earthly kingdom to be set up and the Messiah to be the king and have his court and and his army and all that. And, And Jesus is trying to help them understand it's not a physical kingdom. And he says, you won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is within you. So what have we learned about the temple so far? The temple is the, was the dwelling place of God. It was a holy place, and it was a physical building. But Jesus changed everything for the better. Now, for those of you who said, this is it, this is my year, I'm going to get into shape. This is my year, I'm, go- I'm going to take better care of my body. You need to know that if, if you're a follower of Christ, here's what the Bible teaches about your body. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning at verse 19, says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Therefore, honor God with your body. So where is the holiest of holies? Where is that place that God dwells in a very special way? If you follow Jesus Christ, it's in you. You are that holiest of holy. You are that holy ground that you can read Moses standing on barefooted. That's you today if you follow Christ. And if you don't, that can be you today. So the stone and the rooms and the temple and the rules, all that's gone. You don't have to go to a building. You don't have to go to a religious official. God will come straight to you. You don't need a priest. You don't need a system. You just need an open heart and a desire to allow God to come into your life and live. And then you will become the temple of his Holy Spirit and be just as holy as that most holy 
place that only one person was allowed to go into once a year. Now that changes now the way we should view our bodies if we're followers of Christ. Because now it's not just a body to do whatever with, it's the temple of His Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So if I'm in a wasteland physically, what's the way to something new? If God's going to do something new in me, and now we're talking about the physical today, what, how do I get there? I need to view my body as God does, and that is the temple of His Spirit. That's what our bodies are. Take a look at this video and see what you think about what someone's doing to this body. We do first want to get you to that infamous video showing a two-year-old in Indonesia puffing away on cigarettes. It is obviously disturbing, but we also wanted to know what the real story was behind that video. CBS News national correspondent Jeff Glor joins us this morning with the details. Hey, Jeff. Erica, good morning again. Our crew spent two days with that boy and his family, and it turns out, yes, that video is very real. It began with an internet clip that went viral. Shocking video of a two-year-old Indonesian boy chain-smoking. A CBS News team traveled to the Indonesian island of Sumatra in search of that boy. And just before midnight, our crew found two-year-old Aldi Suganda in the quiet fishing village of Musi Banwasin, a lit cigarette in hand. At home, Aldi plays with toys and grips a bottle. But his tiny hands can also light a cigarette with the familiarity of a seasoned smoker. His parents, Rizal and Diana, say he started smoking at just 11 months old during daily trips to the market where they sell fish. He was being very fussy when we were there to sell, so we just let him play by himself. One day we followed him and found him hanging out at a cigarette stall. He had a cigarette in his hand, already lit. He already knew how to do it very well, like an adult. It was actually his own wish. Before long, Oldie was smoking more than 40 cigarettes a day. In fact, Oldie's mother says he often uses one cigarette to light up the next. Has somebody lost their mind? Two years old and he's addicted to smoking already? That, that video goes on to say that the government saw that, the Indonesian government, and now the little boy's in rehab to try to, to, try to break his nicotine habit. And we look at that and we're appalled and think, how in the world could a parent, could anybody just light up a cigarette for a two-year-old? Do they know what that's doing to his little body, his little developing lungs and his little immune system? Do they not get that? Well, I mean, we know that and we think, well, how could they do it? But yet people do things and put things in their bodies every single day that are just as bad as what you just saw on the screen that made you go, wow, how in the world did that happen? See, when I see my body as the temple of God's spirit, the place in which God dwells, I don't have to worship my body, but hey, I, I need to really think about this thing that I've been gifted with. Now, there are some things about your body you have very little control over. Probably your shape. You got that from your mom or your dad. The amount of hair you have on your head, you know, how big your nose is, 
And while you can get those things fixed, it's very expensive, and I don't recommend it. But so there's some things about your body that you just can't do anything about. You got big bones, you got big bones. Not going to happen. You're, you're tall, you're tall. You're short, you're short. Your genetics, that's your genetics. But there's so much that we can do to take care of this body that God's blessed us with and wants to dwell in. So I'm going to share with you a few things that your body needs. From a spiritual perspective, here are a few things your body needs. My body needs rest. See, the Bible says that God doesn't dwell in temples made with men's hands. And so, um, you know, a building doesn't need to rest. But your body, God's temple, it needs rest. It needs you to unplug. God called it a Sabbath. And while there's not one day that we are commanded now to have as a Sabbath, the idea of regular rest and regular reconnection with God That's still a biblical principle we all need to live by. So we can recharge physically and spiritually. You know, just one extra hour of sleep per night will make you more alert, will help you pay better attention, will make you less irritable. It will. I mean, sleep really helps us do that. Anybody have a toddler at the house? Now, if they don't take a nap, guess what happens? You know, there's somebody's getting spanked, right? I mean, you got to, you know, you know, you know, oh, you need your nap, boy. It's time to go get your nap. I mean, we have a 15-year-old at our house, and I'm like, hey, you need a nap. Go take a nap. Sometimes it's like, you know, my wife, do you need a nap? you need to go rest? Yes, honey, I need a nap, and I need to rest. Our bodies are designed to need rest and people think they're getting more done well i just i'm gonna rest less and i'm gonna get more done it's not true you don't get more done you run yourself further and further and further in the hole and you think well i'll sleep when i die well you'll get there quicker it'll happen a lot faster our bodies are designed to need regular rest and replenishing rest is good for health it's good for our mental state And yet I see parent after parent running their kids around, running them in the ground, making them think you got to do this and you got to do that. And and their little schedules are so stretched out. They're disconnected and they're just stressed out too because, hey, mom and dad's got me in all this stuff. And, well, they want to do it. Well, that two-year-old wants to smoke. What's the difference? And as parents, sometimes we have to say, you know what? Our family's going to rest and you're not going to do all that. Because God designed our body to need rest, and I'm not stressing you out at nine years old, having you do this and this and this and this, because you don't know what's best. I do. It's no different than saying, here's a cigarette, if it's your choice, you can have it. Because we're teaching them habits, and they're getting into routines that are gonna hurt, that's going to hurt their bodies that God wants to dwell in. So we need to slow down, because it's God's plan. Another thing my body needs, exercise. Right, And I bet somebody in this room, not a show of hands now, but bought some exercise equipment in the last month or so, or you joined a gym. Now you're wondering how much you can get for the equipment on Craigslist. Or you're thinking, gosh, 40 bucks a month and I haven't even been once. Several months ago, I went for my yearly physical and they do, do all the blood work and check your levels and everything. And 
And I go in, the doctor, she's like, hey, your levels are great, and going through all the all whatever they talk about, you know, and it was all great, 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 nothing's too high, nothing's too low, you don't need any medication, things are great. Man, Mr. Williams, you must exercise and eat right. And I was like, no, I don't. And she said, well, you, you, you better, because it won't be this good forever. And you need to be prepared, because this is going to go too high, and this is going to go too low if you don't lay off of the bad diet and the no exercise. So that was a challenge. I was like, okay. I'll exercise. I'll eat better. And hopefully I get good news next time. The Bible actually says that physical training has value for us. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. So physical training has value. Dr. William Haskell of Stanford University says that if we just do the recommended exercise per day, which is like, you know, walking to the car, walking instead of taking the elevator, walking over and changing the TV channel. Just the recommended exercise that we will live three to seven years longer than couch potatoes. Now, just imagine if you did more than that. Imagine if you took care of this body even more so, how much more life you could get out of it. Keeping this thing in shape, you have to because you only got one. You can't go get another one. Your car breaks, you go get another car. Your body messes up, what are you going to do? Hope it can be taken care of, but there's a lot that's just within our control by just taking care of this temple. So my body also needs not just rest, not just physical exercise, but my body needs the right intake. And if I have not offended you yet, this will. I mean, we need to put the right stuff in our body, the right... Food, I have to confess, I, I, I'm not great with this. I'm getting better. I'm trying. But there is nothing better sometimes than a glass of Diet Dr. Pepper. It's, it tastes like the real thing, you know. It does. It's really good stuff. And I could, I, I could put down 10 of those in a day easy because they taste so good. And I love barbecued chips and sour cream dip together. That might sound gross to you, but I love it. And I could sit down and watch TV, and all of a sudden, it's like, where'd, where'd the chips go, kids? Did you eat all my chips? And no, Dad, you just ate them all sitting there watching TV. Wow. So I speak from a position of hypocrisy when I talk about <laughs> the things that you should be putting in to your body. How often do we find ourselves eating when we're not even hungry? How often do we find ourselves filling our mouths and our stomachs to being overfull. You know what the Bible calls that? Gluttony. You know what the Bible says gluttony is? Sin. So overeating's a sin? It is. But we celebrate it. Did you know the second most the second day that people eat more than Thanksgiving? Guess what it is? Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. That's it. Did you know one buffalo wing, you got to walk two miles to get rid of that thing? So I'm just totally messing up parties tonight, right? But you do. To just get rid of all the junk you just put in your body, you got to walk a lot. So remember that. Just count them down. Two miles, four miles, six, and you know. It's just not good. It's, the Bible says overeating is a sin. Now, why do people overeat? Why do you eat to excess? Well, trying to fill yourself up? So after you're full, you need to start thinking about <clears throat> thinking about 
well, what am I trying to fill up? Because your stomach's already full. <coughs> Sorry, your stomach's already full. So what, what are you trying to fill up? And then tonight, people are going to gather around, watch the big game, and eat all this junk food, just graze around the table, and then you're going to get home, and you're going, boy, honey, I stuffed myself. Oh, sweetie, you just go to bed early. You just rest. Just rest. God bless you. You watched that game, and you ate so much, and leave Daddy alone. He needs to rest. He ate a lot. What other sin do we celebrate like that? Nobody comes home and says, honey, I lied a lot today. Good for you. What? Go sit down on the couch and watch some TV. Well, I also stole some stuff from the office. Girls, dad stole some stuff today. Let him, let him rest. We don't do that. You would say, what? You're doing, you can't do that. It's wrong. But yet one of the most unconfronted sins in people's lives is this sin of overeating, eating too much i've never confronted anybody about that and i i maybe i will someday but that's scary more often they're bigger than me so i'm not gonna (laughs) say hey you're eating too much philippians 3 verse 19 says their destiny is their destruction their god is their stomach and their glory is in their shame their mind is on earthly things so when i eat too much pizza or burgers or whatever even salad am i what Am I sinning? That's what the Bible says. Because it's putting something in there where God should be and trying to mask something else. It's not just food. I mean, I don't even have to give you the stats on drugs and alcohol. But yet, people are still pouring those things into their body. Let this be the year you say, this, you know, this is it. I'm going to stop hiding it. I'm going to get over this. I'm done with this addiction. See, many of us sit here today in the wilderness and the wasteland of putting the wrong stuff in our body, of not allowing our body to rest and not exercising this body that, that God wants to dwell in. He really does see our bodies as the temple of his Holy Spirit. And it's not about being thin like the front cover of a magazine. It's not about everybody looking the same. It's about health. And it's about taking care of this body that God has blessed us with. So whether you're short or tall or a little wider than some others or a little more narrow than others, that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about treating this body as the holy temple of his spirit. God can do something in you brand new from a physical perspective when you start to see your body as his temple. Then the way you view that second helping today or the way you view that second drink or the way you view what you should be doing, what you should rest, the way you view exercise, all that should change. Because now it's not just for the physical, it's also for the spiritual. And I'll realize I've ruined everybody's lunch and you're not going to enjoy Moe's wherever you go today. But it's, it's not about what foods. It's about what can I do to take the best care of this body that God has blessed me with. This week, every time that I've almost touched a diet drink, and it's okay to have one in moderation, of course, but every time, Molly or Abby's like, Dad, 
I heard the pastor say last week. I was like, oh, man. So they're not here today. I let them, told them to stay out in the lobby. No, I'm kidding. Okay, for the, so every week we've talked about this. We have, we have given, you, given you steps to take, whether it was uh, spiritual steps and then relational steps and then some financial steps. So today we're going to give you some physical things that you can do to help you take a little step. Everybody's not going to get there in a day or a month. But it's going to be a while for a lot of us to to get into new habits. And so here's some ways that we want to provide for you to be able to do it. One thing is we've got a class coming up called Life's Healing Choices. And if something you struggle with is an addiction or some emotional pain that you're just not able to get over or deal with, you need to go be a part of this class, Life's Healing Choices. All you have to do to sign up for that or anything else that that I'm going to talk about is just put a huge check mark on the back of your what's up card, turn that in and we'll send you an email that's got all the registration information. So life's healing choices is one. If you're, if you're thinking about, well, how can I take off that extra 10 that, that makes me feel bad and sluggish? How can I, how can I get a little more healthy? We've got a, a class coming up called first place for health. I mean, dieting is awful. I mean, you don't get to eat good stuff, tasty things. Dieting is just, it's not about dieting. It's about learning how to put the right things in to our bodies. And this first place for health is a biblically-based weight loss class that you can get in. And just check back of your WhatsApp card. And ladies, there's another thing that's just for you. The other things are men and women. This thing's just for you. It's a ladies' toning class every Wednesday morning at the Hub. We've got a personal trainer that's there, and she's, she's teaching that every week. And the women that have gone, my wife goes. It's like it's supposed to be really, they're saying it's really good. So check, check out how you can go to that. And guys, just go in the lobby. And if you ask four guys, hey, where's Ultimate Frisbee going to be today? That is a workout, and it will get you sweating. And if you can't do that, then you can walk around the track while everybody else plays. Just, there's a lot of people at our church that do different things physically that you can get to know people and take care of the temple. We'll, just, we'll let you know. Just check that on the back of your What's Up card. And start to see this body that God has given us as His temple. Because when you do that, it changes the way you take care of what God has blessed you with. So today, go enjoy your lunch best you can. Enjoy your Super Bowl parties the best you can. But this week, treat your body as what it is, the temple of His Holy Spirit, and say, this is it. I'm going to take these little steps to get to a place, not only physical health, but spiritual health health as well. Let's pray. God, thank You for dwelling in us. God, I pray for people who are here that have never taken that step into your family. And I pray that they know that you want to dwell in them. God, we can't even wrap our minds around the fact that you are living inside of us the same way you dwelled in the temple that we read about in the Bible. Father, help us to treat our bodies as the temple where your spirit dwells. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.